welcome to CXO, a magical podcast to help you serve better and concoct experiences that are superlative in nature. I'm your host, Supriya Sharma, bringing to you in each episode didactic nuggets so you can get inspired to sprinkle stardust in your company, your home, and the community on the whole. show today is Diane Majors, the founder of Experience Catalyst. She's passionate about experience transformation, an executive and a change agent, share power for new and developing experience-obsessed organizations, thought leader and innovator for engaging associates, customers and partners. Diane is also the Emeritus Chair and recent CEO for the Customer Experience Professionals Association. And I'm glad to let you know that she is a firm executor in the pay it forward model. Welcome to our show, Diane. We are so happy that you're here with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm happy too. This is part of my pay it forward or what I also call send the elevator back down. <laughs> I would love to, I love to help people, uh, uh, you know, take this path that I've taken over the last 25 plus years and uh, give them lessons learned and help them grow in this profession. So happy to be here. Wonderful. So I'm absolutely amazed by how you put it, sending the elevator down. So we are having this elevator down by 25 floors and now we are (laughs) going to get inside and we are going to see how far we are going to get, rather how high we are going to get with it. So how about the experience economy? these days. It's a term that has been used on and off, although it was first uh, appeared in the 1998 Harvard Business Review. That's where it appeared first in 1998, but then it's been used on and off since then. So what do you think in the present day is the relevance of this term called experience economy and how does it help us? I, I believe that it can have really two meanings. One, uh, one is from really the economy itself. Um, and I believe that as we shift to more tech, more technology uh, and more human um, desire, so technology is going to take care of a lot of things for us. So meeting human needs is important. Um, the experience will come to play there. Um, the second piece of, 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 of the experience economy to me is the fact that it used to be uh, the economy was based on companies building products and services, marketing them, customers would buy them, and then it was a, a churn number, right? But now what we see in the experience economy is that not only is it about products and services, but it's about the experience that comes along with them. And that experience is not just the experience you have with the brand. The experiences now are becoming integrated into um, the entire brands even working together, right? So if you think about the airlines, they actually give you the opportunity to rent a car, right? And have that all in one place on your itinerary. So they're starting to think more about the experience and how those things fit together and the ability for brands even having to work together. The last part of that piece is when you think about competing on experience, um, I often ask people to tell me about an experience they've had with a brand or um another brand or a company. And what they typically tell me is, here's what happened. Um, Here's how I felt about it. Here's how I changed my behavior with that brand. 
And then, so, and so I say, you know, thanks for sharing the, the great or horror story. Sometimes it's a bad story. Um, but what we don't recognize with the experience economy is that the decisions that we make as human beings are like 90% subconscious. Our behavior, you know, that we're that we're affecting, that is affecting brands. Like when we we have a bad experience, we don't go back somewhere, or we don't spend more money, or we don't refer them. That impacts the economy of that brand, and the economy overall of how the organizations function. So I think it's a very when you when you say those two words, experience economy, it can be defined in so many different ways. And I think we have to start thinking about the economy of scale for us as human beings, the economy of uh, experiences and how brands have to start working together around our life. And then the economy as in the value it creates for brands, but also the value it creates for us and how we are looking for brands that will attract us, provide us value, save me time, make it easy for me. We hear this from all kinds of companies, right? But how do you actually make that come to life and recognize that I'm getting value out of doing business with, with a particular brand? So I think that term is so broad that um, it, it's a little bit confusing sometimes because people interpret it in different ways. So those are the ways I think about it. Absolutely. Not right or wrong, just various <laughs> options. <laughs> well, well, yeah, and uh, it's it's nice to hear that perspective of uh, experience and then the economy because to a layperson, some somebody when hears of the experience economy, the first thing that comes to mind is Disneyland. Oh, we are having a great time in that amusement park, and that's an experience for us as a customer. However, the other side of the table, the company who is delivering that experience, we rarely get a chance to think about the value that they are getting. For the experience right. that they have created for us that's right that's right in many ways so that an amusement park is a great example so you think about the revenues they got from the ticket sale um, but you don't think about often i mean companies are getting better at this thinking about what memories you've created for that customer which is going to drive them coming back to you which is also going to drive them going onto social media or in the barbecue in their backyard talking to their friends about the great time they had right so we don't see some of that experience economy happening we don't see how those experiences really um and are ingrained in how we talk to each other right um, i don't know about you but every time i want to go somewhere new or look for a restaurant or a hairdresser or a doctor i ask my friends and family or i go on next door there's an app that's you know all my neighbors can tell me greater bad experiences they've had i don't think people are seeing that as part of the experience economy but it absolutely is because we don't really trust what we read anymore i don't look at advertising the same way and if you've noticed, advertising has changed so dramatically in the last 15 years. Um, companies used to be able to tell us Mad Men, if you've ever seen that show, was all about, you know, here's a product and, you know, go sell, market it, market it, market it. Yeah. Um, and now we're seeing that it's really more about these these things that happen in the fringes, right? These conversations that human beings have about brands or or they hear stories about brands, that's more impactful. And so I think brands don't think about the revenue that comes in that one day from that ticket versus all the other things that are happening that also drive their brand and how they survive in this experience economy. Well, and uh, for a person, let's say for an organization and a, and a person who is responsible for the PNL or for the profit and loss in that organization, some, some professional who is in that position, for that uh, professional, or that particular employee of the organization, sometimes it's quite challenging 
to quantify that experience you know on one hand we are saying experience economy is we are creating value using the experience as a stage and on the other hand for a professional who needs to quantify that experience and let the management know on the kind of revenue it has created for the company or the kind of impact it has had on the bottom line of the company so that sometimes becomes challenging because we feel that experience is an amorphous act i mean it's abstract isn't it whereas no. when you see when you see a product you can you really have a product in front of you otherwise you have a service that you've had so what do you think of experience in that way when it's an abstract and then we got to quantify it I don't think it, I don't think it's abstract at all. I and I don't I come at this from a a position. Now trust me, I wasn't able to tell the business case story when I started in this profession either, right? I was a psychologist by trade. Math math and financials was the furthest thing from my mind, right? As a matter of fact, that's why I went into that. Um but but I eventually went back and got my MBA because I recognized that if I was going to talk about the impact of experience to an organization. I was working in a logistics company, right? Supply chain company. If you can't drop a penny at the bottom line tomorrow, you better be able to tell the story. So what I began to recognize was we 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 were talking about metrics. We were talking about net promoter and CSAT, yeah. you know, which you can correlate to revenue, but it's still this kind of fuzzy math. I would, you know, I'd say there's there's math to it, but it's just yeah, I agree if net promoter goes up, then uh, probably we're going to have better revenue. Um not necessarily. I've seen uh, NPS go up, but revenue we're still leaking revenue. right out of out of so what i encourage practitioners to do is to stop thinking about building the business case around the metrics what i want them to do is think about the project they're working on or the changes that they're making and look at all the different ways that that is creating change in behavior of the customer or the employee so an example of this would be in one organization we re-overhauled the RFP process the request for proposal process because it's a mess in many organizations right it takes a lot of time nobody's got the right information they're all different so by overhauling that we were able to look at it with the lens of well yes of course we're going to hopefully increase the win loss ratio of RFPs okay that was the outside the the goal of of doing it the high goal um but which also drove revenue by the way or loss of revenue um cost of acquisition so when we started to really look at it from the lens of the executives and all the executives that were involved sales team current support team supply chain pricing team when we started looking at it from their lens of what they measured what they measured things they could count right we were in we were reducing the number of hours spent on an RFP by their sales team Okay, that equated to salespeople being on the street more, which equated to more revenue. Okay, so we we started to extrapolate all the things we could do. Another one was productivity of the RFP team. So the RFP team, by putting a better knowledge management system in place, which costs money, of course, putting that knowledge management in in place, so people could find the right content and they had one version of the truth, increased the productivity of those employees and their happiness. They stayed longer. they got their jobs done better we were able to respond to RFPs quicker all of those are tied to measures and financial impact it's either cost or revenue and if you're not talking about your projects in that vein your your c suite is not going to listen because if i go to you and say if we do this rfp project we're going to increase net promoter score and and customer satisfaction they're going to go well how much is it going to cost and what do i get for my money the roi 
So we have to learn to talk in that language, not in the language of CX. It's important. We need to talk about net promoter and CSAT and, the, and the, those bigger outcomes, those metrics, but we need to be talking about the measures and the financial impact of those measures internally. Sure. sure. It's a skill and a muscle we have to build. <laughs> <laughs> and, and is there a shortcut for doing that? You wish. <laughs> you wish it, it you know it just took it just takes a little while to kind of sit and think about it from that lens like if you really sit and think about every other part of the organization if you're sitting in like let's say the salesperson or the guy from product management is coming in to talk to the c-suite to get a project done they're coming with numbers they're coming with the roi they're coming with the business case it should be no different for us i don't know why we get away with it to be honest with you, as CX professionals, we can go in and say, oh, we think we're going to increase, you know, customer satisfaction. Well, that's all happy and wonderful, but what they want to talk, what they want to hear is revenue and cost. How are we going to impact that? So if we can make that change in our language to the executives, the experience economy really does mean dollars to the brand. That, that's a very helpful and powerful statement. The experience economy really means dollars to the brand. And, and uh, some of us feel here in the CX world also that uh, it's easier for organizations who are into businesses like hospitality or just the example of amusement park that we took or let's say selling automobiles, selling those nice luxury cars. It's easier for them to create experiences versus uh, a company selling a boring product like, like this notebook maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think I think there is, but what I would also encourage people to think about, and people say that about B2B as well. So B2C is easier because you're creating experiences and you're having these multiple interactions with people. Um, but in the B2B world, there, in my mind, it's not only what you're doing for that person in the experience they're having, but the value you're creating for that organization. So you think about one organization we helped with their um, supply chain communications to the customers. They were getting a lot of this in this recent, you know, last year and a half or so, supply chains have really, really hampered a lot of those B2B relationships that before were, were wonderful. But because of supply chain issues, um, it's really kind of gone downhill. And what we, we helped one organization do was put into place some um, options, replacement options that they put in their ordering system so that if, hey, if you can't get this, here's the next best one that we think based on your usage. So we did some of that preemptive work. Um, we gave them, you know, timelines. We, we communicated more effectively. Um, we helped them with their supply chains, connecting them to even other suppliers that could get the inf could get product to them um, in the meantime, even though they were under contract with that company. So there's ways to create that value, even if you have issues that are insurmountable. Um, because in a B2B world, you have the, as I said, the personal and the professional, um, no risk. You know, they've, they've made a huge bet on your company, your partners um, in what you're doing. Right? They depend on you and you depend on them. Um, so I actually like that relationship. But, but speaking of creating those experiences is more in the guts of the organization than it is the bright, shiny object, what I call it. <laughs> Um, but I also think like the notebook, um, those companies are ripe for innovation. Why don't you drop us a golden, no, not a golden, I would call it a diamond nugget 
for those of us who are looking forward to succeed in this experience economy going forward. All right, Here, here's what I would tell you to ask. I, I've talked a little bit about the fact that we don't tell the business case very well. I've talked a little bit about the fact that it's about economy and value mean different things to different audiences. What I would love for you to do when you're doing journey mapping, when you're talking about an experience, anytime you as a CX professional are, are doing the work, um, I want you to think about asking the question, what's the financial impact of this experience to our organization okay it's a pretty simple question i'd actually make you a t-shirt that has that question on it because what people um, tend to forget is that when you're creating an experience there's a financial impact to the organization either positive or negative and by identifying what those are you're going to be able to build your business case but and it also signals to the executives that you are impacting the organization, helping them achieve their strategic uh, and growth goals. So CX is a growth strategy. That's what that helps you get to. Brilliant. Thank you so much for this nugget and, and for all the knowledge that you've shared with us today. It was an honor to have you with us on CXO. Thanks. Thank you so much. And yes, we are on the elevator now. We are going up into the experience economy. to CXO with your host, Supriya. I hope you enjoyed a dive into the nitty-gritty of customer experience. If you are committed to applying these ideas in the real world, stay tuned with me. Don't forget to check out all the links and resources in the show notes. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.